It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Coming out a little bit later on a Friday, but nonetheless, still happy to be with you guys talking BYU football because this is your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On today's show, our practice insider weighs in with some of his personnel news and notes coming out for BYU as they get ready to face off against USC tomorrow afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Also going to catch up with Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, get his thoughts on this game and where he thinks BYU might have a chance to get a leg up on the Trojans in this game. So we'll talk about that with him later on in today's podcast. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Deseret First Credit Union, Vivid Seats, as well as All Guard Pest Control. We'll talk about all three of those companies as today's podcast rolls on. With that, let's get to it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for September 13th, 2019. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for joining us on a Friday the 13th edition of Locked On Cougars, our 301st episode. Crazy to think we've done 300-plus episodes of this podcast, but it's a pleasure to be with you guys each and every day. Once again, apologies for this coming out a little bit later, but due to some scheduling conflicts, had to move production and everything back to later in the day, but we've got it for you now. Let's start off right now with some of the news and notes coming out from our practice insider. A guy who is able to go to BYU practices, kind of weighs in on from time to time on things he sees from BYU football practice. And some interesting notes coming out today from him. Uh, started off, actually, that it sounds like Keenan Ellis has rejoined the BYU football program. Whether that means he's actually eligible to play for BYU against USC or going forward, that remains to be determined. But the nice part is he is back on the practice field in uniform, practicing with the BYU football program. And that should bolster an already uh, pretty strong cornerback group. But he's a talent, there's no doubt about it. And he should have an opportunity to show what he can do. Uh, the starting cornerbacks this week in practice have actually been Isaiah Heron and Dion Gonwoloku. It appears that Heron has supplanted D'Angelo Mandel. Uh, Mandel got that start against Utah after Heron was limited due to some injury concerns in the week leading up to that game. But it sounds like uh, the very minimum, he'll be a key backup rotating with the guys. And if you have a guy like Keenan Ellis who is eligible to play and could come in and make an impact, that'd be a big time addition. Dimitri Gallo, who we had on the podcast earlier this week, is also running with the twos right now. He's just kind of getting his legs underneath him. The coaches apparently believe that once he is up to speed, really full go, he could challenge for starting minutes. He could be a starting cornerback for BYU, and that should excite BYU fans because that makes four guys at minimum in the cornerback rotation for BYU have starter qualities to them, and that's a positive for BYU secondary. Uh, Last week, we saw Zane Anderson move to safety against Tennessee. Uh, Having talked to our practice insider, that actually has more to do with keeping Zane's shoulder that he had surgically reconstructed in the offseason healthy than anything else. 
They feel like he's quite capable at linebacker, but they're worried that his shoulder won't hold up for the entire season with the wear and tear and the hitting that it would require to keep him at the flash linebacker spot. So they felt like the the prescient move would be to put him at safety and let him have his opportunity to contribute there. As a result, Austin Lee, who's been starting alongside uh, Zane in the secondary, has moved to free safety with Zane now at the strong safety position. And I think that's a very capable backfield tandem. You're still going to see guys like Malik Moore, uh, Austin Kofensis, uh, um, Sawyer Powell, etc. They're all going to have their opportunities to contribute. But it sounds like the move was just to keep Zane as healthy as possible and hopefully get him through an entire season without losing him to a season-ending injury. There's just concerns with that shoulder that it won't hold up for an entire year playing linebacker. We'll see what happens there. We also saw Moroni Laulu Pututau play a little bit against Tennessee. Limited reps. He was seen on the sideline when I was down there in Knoxville keeping himself warm, doing a lot of plyometric work, a lot of drills, footwork drills, etc. to keep his body moving around. Well, he hasn't practiced full go until this week. And it sounds like he has practiced full go this week. And the expectation is that this week, it'll finally be his opportunity to get out on the field in a large dose, multiple reps, etc. and hopefully contribute to a BYU passing game that could use another pass catcher like him, we've seen it from Moroni in the past. When he's given the opportunity to play multi- big reps, he produces. And if you have a guy like Matt Bushman or Moroni Lalulu Pututau running around out there, and with Micah Simon's emergence last week against Tennessee, BYU's wide receiving core and the just receivers in general, including the tight ends, looks a lot more uh, deep and a lot more well-rounded than it might have looked before that Tennessee game. Was the Micah Simon showing a flash in the pan? Who knows? We'll see what happens against USC tomorrow. But I think having a tight end tandem of Moroni Laulu Pututau as well as Matt Bushman running there in the middle of the field, playing that kind of inside slot receiver role, that Y receiver, that should help BYU quite a bit. And it sounds like Moroni is finally full go and should be ready to contribute at a high level. So I'm excited to see what happens with BYU tomorrow. It should be an interesting matchup all the way around. USC comes in, of course, on the heels of two wins. They blew out Stanford last week, picked up a win over Stanford the week before, and, of course, Keaton Slovis, the freshman sensation. Man, talk about an... uh, a debut. He just absolutely phenomenal debut in that win over Stanford. We'll see what he's able to do in his first true road start at BYU tomorrow. But I think BYU is going to have a few things dialed up for him. I think on defense, BYU should mix it up. They should bring some blitzes once in a while. They should drop eight once in a while. They've got to mix it up. Play man, play zone. They've got to make this kid confused. That's going to give them the best chance to succeed on defense against this air raid attack. There's a lot of athletes on USC's side of the field, as you all know. And I think for BYU to keep uh, Keaton Slovis' head spinning, I guess is the easiest way to say it, make him think, okay, are they going man here? Are they going to blitz me? What are they going to do? That, I think, gives BYU the best opportunity to succeed. And we'll see what happens with it. Uh, So there you go. Some of my thoughts and some of the updates from our practice insider heading in to BYU versus USC. I think the good news is that outside of the concerns around the shoulder of Zane Anderson, BYU is very healthy. And through two weeks against two high-powered Power 5 teams, 
that's a positive development for BYU. Of course, they still have two Power 5 opponents to go before they get into the rest of their schedule. We'll see how they hold up, but the good part is they're healthy so far, and here's hope and knock on wood that they do stay healthy going forward. All right, uh, my voice coming back a little bit. As you guys can tell, I'm still a little bit under the weather, so apologies for the lack of my my voice not being 100%, but thanks for sticking with us each and every day on this podcast. Before we go, though, do need to tell you about one of today's sponsors on the show, and that's our good friends at Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that will last them a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, but also earn credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, guys. It's a fantastic way to get rewarded for the events you're going to go to, whether it's sports, music, theater, whatever you like to go to. Use the Vivid Seats app, purchase your tickets there, and get rewarded for making your purchases. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed up by a 100% guarantee, so you have that peace of mind as well. And right now, if you enter the promo code KICKOFF, K-I-C-K-O-F-F at checkout. You can receive a discount of up to $100, guys. So you can save some money just straight up cash on your first purchase with the Vivid Seeds app, but also earn credit back on all of your purchases as well. So it's a fantastic way to go about getting your tickets. Download the Vivid Seats app on the App Store or the Google Play Store and make sure you get automatically enrolled into that Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program and enjoy those credits on all of your purchases as part of Vivid Seats Rewards. Vivid Seats, proud partner of Locked On Cougars and the Locked On Podcast Network. Network. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on, so find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. I'm Jay Cat, your host here on this daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Going to catch up now with Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Had a chance to sit down with him or, I guess, record an interview with him. Talk about USC, their start to the season, the 24th-ranked Trojans coming to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. A 2-0 on the season. I think they're off to a better start than most USC fans thought. So let's get to it. Ryan Abraham right here on Locked on Cougars. Ryan, I wanted to start off now. USC comes off a pretty impressive win over Stanford last week. Keaton Slovis looked like a grizzled veteran in his only his first start. Did his performance surprise you personally? Yeah, he does look like a grizzled veteran if you see him up close. He definitely looks like a little kid. He's 18, but <laughs> I was impressed. I think, I think like if JT Daniels wasn't hurt, he would have had some pretty good numbers out there too. But to, you know, for a first time starter, 18-year-old kid who's been around campus for, you know, a few months. He was there in the spring to be able to make the throws he did, but just the decision-making and finding the guys that were open and, re- you know, making a lot of the right reads. I think Graham Harrell, his offensive coordinator, had to be really impressed. But I, I feel like that offensive system had a lot to do with it. I think it's really been beneficial to all of the quarterbacks. But you, you think he's going to do well, but the, the kind of numbers he's putting up, like completing almost 83% of your passes, 
three touchdowns, 377 yards. It's, it's really beyond what you would think from a true freshman. So I was, I was kind of surprised. Do you think this is more of because we've seen uh, guys like Mike Leach, who's kind of one of the originators of this of this air raid attack? He seems to plug and play quarterbacks each year. Do you feel like it's a system that's just set up to be quarterback friendly, regardless of wherever it's implemented? Yeah, you know, just only seeing it, you know, on, on campus here at USC for you know a few months, it did look that way to me. Mostly because if you saw the guys in the spring, guys like Matt Fink and Jack Sears, who really hadn't looked all that good in practices before. I, th- I think that's last year. That's what allowed JT Daniels to come in and, and win the job when he came in in the fall. But all those quarterbacks, including Keaton Slovis, who was a you know three-star freshman that most people felt thought was going to be an afterthought. He wasn't going to be in the mix for the starting quarterback, but they all looked good. And we were like, wow, that's, that's making a difference in practice. If you could have your true freshman come in and he looked like, wow, he could play. And we haven't really said that about when freshmen will come in, it's going to take them time to learn the system and all that. But when you can install the entire offense in three practices and you can basically run it through five times during spring football, your entire offensive install, I think it gives all these quarterbacks a leg up and and puts them in a better position. So I'm not sure if it's complete plug and play and Mike Leach can make it look like that uh, up up in Washington State, but it seems like there's definitely elements of that to it. Otherwise, I don't think a a freshman like Keaton Slovis would be able to come in and play the way he has. How nice is it to have guys like Tyler Vons, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Michael Pittman to throw to? Yeah, they're, they got the best group in the Pac-12, I would say. Uh, talk to national writers. They're probably top three or so in the country as far as uh, their top-end wide receivers. And all three of those guys have, are at superstar potential. Tyler Vons was kind of the third guy, and he's had two straight 100-yard games in a row. He caught a touchdown this last one, and Michael Pittman hasn't had a touchdown yet. He had one called back from a penalty. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is probably the guy with the most upside. He's going to get a lot of run uh, coming out of the slot in this offense. But, you know, he's a little shocked to see Tyler Vaughn's having the, the leg up on the other two guys. He's kind of been my boy since he got there. Uh, but they, they've all been special. It helps a guy like Keaton Slovis or when JT Daniels is in there. When you know you can throw it up. And if it's not your best pass, and maybe it's not the best decision, you still have a shot because those guys are able to high point the ball and make a catch. So I think you know, if you, you're the best friend for your, you know, your true freshman uh, quarterback, a good offensive line helps, but really having great wide receivers you can throw to is uh, probably the best thing he could have. Of course, we're talking about USC, and they've got a tradition of having very good running backs, guys like Vivai, Malapiai, et cetera. How is, uh, how is the offense being tailored to also include them in the offense, but at the same time keeping true to its roots as an air raid attack? Yeah, so they, it's a little different than uh, what Mike Leach would run just because of the run-pass ratio. I think Mike Leach is a lot of times around 70% pass, and it was a lot closer to 50-50 for Graham Harrell. Uh, when he was at North Texas. And, you know, maybe the numbers are skewed a little bit. They ran the ball more in that uh, first game because J.T. Daniels got hurt. But, they, you know, I think they did a pretty good job running the ball against Stanford as well. Vivian Malpea from Hawaii, uh, he's kind of been the feature back. We weren't sure what sort of rotation they would use. And Stephen Carr is coming off the bench, and uh, he scored multiple touchdowns and has just been great catching the ball out of the backfield. Or when he's running the ball, he's making guys miss like on every play. There's just not enough reps to go around. You even got a guy like Marquis Steph who came into the game and had like three carries for 33 yards at the end of the Stanford game. Uh, but they've mostly been, it's these two featured backs and uh, Vavai is getting about twice as many carries as Stephen Carr 
and it, it, it's so funny because the fans will be like screaming, "Hey, we want to see more Stephen Carr. Or we want to see more uh, Marquis stuff." But I think they're doing a good job uh, running the ball, and we'll see, like you know, as far as the season goes, what the ratios are going to be. And they kind of tailor it for whoever the opponent is. It'll be, you know, they, they're not going to change the plays a lot, but they'll just kind of change the way they're called. So maybe against the BYU, they they run the ball a little bit more. They've had some troubles, uh, you know, struggles trying to stop the run so far earlier this year. They, they might do that, or they might air it out more like they did against Stanford. We, I guess we just have to wait and see. What's the reaction been from USC fans to this new offense? I know that the air raid has its moniker, but how have they accepted it? Yeah, they, there's a lot of uh, pushback, I think, from some of the, especially some of the older fans that uh, love the student body left, student body right. They feel like it's going to be Mike Leach where you're never going to be running the football. But I think what you saw, you know, put up 45 on Stanford, it kind of wins people over. And even if you go back to the, the early Pete Carroll years where Norm Chow was, you know, running the show. I mean, I talked to Norm Chow in the off season and he says a lot of the elements of what he was running or, you know, or what you see in the air raid now, they're spreading teams out and things. So I think if you're scoring points and it's fun um, and, and you're not just only throwing the ball, like back in those days, you had Linda White and Reggie Bush. And uh, you know, if, if they're still going to run the football in this offense, but also score more points and be more fun, I think they come around to it, but just initially they're kind of like, Oh, we don't want to be a just passing team. They, Cause a lot of the, you know, the old school fans, they just really love, you know, the, the tailback U days and, you know, those days aren't, you know, you don't see that much anymore, but they still kind of harken back to those days where it was just like pitch the ball to Mike Garrett like 50 times a game, but those, those days are gone. <laughs> okay, I understand, and I think you're right. I think the spread offense is here to stay. You're probably right in that regard. I wanted to switch over and talk about the defensive side of the ball for a minute here. Uh, Talanoa Hafunga, did I pronounce that correctly? Hopefully yeah, I did. Yeah, you got it. So he, him and Justin Houston have been leading the team in tackles through two weeks. How has this defense kind of adapted to playing alongside an air-rated attack? I know there's sometimes defenses can get a little gassed, but how have they responded? Yeah, that's funny. They've responded really well. I think as you saw early in the game when USC was down 14-3 to to Stanford and then fumbled the kickoff and Stanford's knocking on the door. And the young secondary, you know, made a couple plays. Elijah Griffin batted a couple balls down for Kobe Parkinson and uh, held them to a field goal. And then at that, you know, it was seventeen to three instead of twenty-one to three. Then USC went on a forty-two to three run after that. But I, I feel like they've worked together a little bit better. They're rotating more. So I think, uh, especially on the defensive front, I don't think the fatigue factor is going to come into play all that much. Now Stanford, you know, they they only ran. 60-something plays against Stanford because it's Stanford. And, you know, there might be other games where they're running 80, 90, 100 plays. But from what we've seen so far, it's worked okay. And I think when we would talk to defensive players last year, when you just knew that the offense was likely not going to do much, um, it, it was a little bit demoralizing. I think they feel better now that once the offense takes the field, they have a really good shot of scoring. But if not, you know, picking up a couple of first downs and, and getting better field position, at least holding the ball longer. So, I think the better offense so far has been a positive impact on the defense. We'll see if it's if we get one of those games where that you know maybe they kick a bunch of field goals and they're running tons of plays, and the defense has to go out there quickly all the time. That maybe it's a different story. But for right now, I think they like the fact that the offense is kind of pulling their weight where they haven't been maybe last year. How has this defensive line come along? I know Jay Tufele is a guy from here locally in Utah that I think BYU fans are interested in. But how is the defensive line performing early on this season? Yeah, Ditch Paley's been great. Uh, he's uh, He had a fourth and one stop in the last game. 
against Stanford that was big in the in the fourth quarter. And they're rotating three defensive tackles with Jay, uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu, and Brandon Peely. And then they're kind of mixing a bunch of guys on the outside too. But basically been like an eight-man rotation. They're using a four-man front, which they haven't done really much of at all since Quincy Pendergast has, has been here uh, with Clay Helton. And they're doing that now. And they'll even – They'll have some pass rush packages where they'll put defensive ends in the defensive tackle spots. And they've really done some different things with the front and the front seven in general, which I, which I like. I think the, you know, if you, you look at the defensive line, it's probably the strength uh, for USC. They're getting pressure on the outside. Guys like Drake Jackson, the true freshman, has been a beast out there. And Christian Rector, who's going to be a game time decision for this one, the senior defensive end, uh, he's been getting some pressures too. But overall, they had 10 tackles for loss against Stanford, and it was 10 different guys. So I think they spread it around pretty well. It's a little bit different look than what we've seen before. Sometimes Clancy would play 12, 13 guys, and that's it. And now they're playing a lot more guys, and I think it's helping to keep them fresh. There you go, Ryan Abraham. Some of his thoughts on the offensive and defensive side of things for USC in terms of the personnel, etc. We'll talk a little bit more in depth just about the series against BYU coming up, this game in particular, tomorrow afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, as well as just some of the news and notes around the USC football program in our next segment. Before we do that, though, do need to tell you about today's title sponsor on the show, and that is our good friends at Deseret First Credit Union. Of course, Deseret First Credit Union, in addition to being our title sponsor, they're asking all of their members right now, what is your focus? What's your why? Whatever it might be, have you thought about refinancing your home to save money and help fund that passion project? Refinancing doesn't have to be hard or even cost you anything, and with rates still low, now is a great time to refinance your mortgage and keep more money in your pocket. I don't think anybody complains about having extra money in their pocket when it comes out of the paycheck each and every month, guys. It's a fantastic way to go about it. DFCU Mortgage Team, the DFCU Mortgage Team, excuse me, will work with you to find the right loan for your financial situation. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, you've been in the market multiple times, they'll make sure you're in the right situation for you. Give them a call, 801-456-7070, or visit dfcu.com to apply in just five minutes or less. Deseret First Credit Union, you know why we show how. Membership and eligibility required, OAC. Terms and conditions apply, equal housing lender. All right, guys, we'll get back to Ryan Abraham in just a minute. Needed to talk to you today about one of our sponsors on the show, a longtime friend of the show, and that is our good friends at All Guard Pest Control. They're a local company based right here in Utah County, but capable of servicing anybody up and down the Wasatch Front. Whether you live in Davis County, Weber County, Tooele County, Wasatch County, Salt Lake County, wherever you live, they will come out and make sure you're taken care of. They don't believe in door-to-door salesmen. Pest control companies should not be bugging you in their opinion. They offer two types of services. They have a quarterly pest control program where they come out every three months, treat your home, and make sure you are taken care of. That way your home, you don't even have any creepy, crawly things coming around at all. My wife is a big fan of that. Not having to worry about that gives her the peace of mind of not having to worry about having any creepy, crawly bugs coming around the house. They also offer one-time services. If you need a one-time service, you have a certain issue that you need treated the one time, they'll come out, take care of you, and they're not going to sign you up on a contract that requires them to come out multiple times when you you don't want them to. They are willing to come out the one time, show what they can do, take care of your problem for you, and leave you alone. 
It's a fantastic way to go about business in my mind. They, of course, have the best reviews online. You can go look at them online. Five-star reviews up and down the board. All Guard Pest Control. Huge BYU fans. Seth and his team are the best. Give them a call. 801-851-1812 or go to allguardpestcontrols.com. If you have any pest control issues, All Guard Pest Control is your best bet to be taken care of. Once again, call them. 801-851-1812 or go to allguardpestcontrols.com. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to with Ryan Abraham here in this final segment. Going to talk a little bit more about what the situation surrounding the USC football program is right now. Lynn Swan, their AD, retired earlier this week or resigned his position earlier this week. I put that in air quotes. We'll talk about that with Ryan here in just a minute. We also hear a little bit about his thoughts on the series against BYU, why he thinks USC fans shouldn't be overlooking the Cougars. So here you go, more of Ryan Abraham from USC football.com right here on Locked on Cougars. Now I wanted to talk to you a little bit just about this game in general. We when we had you on before the season began, we were looking at USC had a pretty stout first six games. It looked like okay, if they don't start off well, it could really snowball on them. But alas, they're 2-0. and They're ranked 24th in the country. We also talked about how BYU's opening slate pretty stout in its own right. What is kind of the feeling about the team from the fans right now sitting at 2-0 and now coming to Provo? Yeah, there's more optimism for sure. I mean, there's there's definitely a, a faction of this fan base that just kind of wanted to see them lose so that Clay Hilton would be gone. They were, <laughs> they were really – I mean, it's true. Um, and, you know, Lynn Swan was uh, – the USC athletic director was – quote, unquote, uh, he quote, unquote, resigned this past week, but, you know, forced out by the new president, Carol Fold. And some of the fans feel like, well, now it's like a lot more pressure on Clay Helton. So if they make a great run and they can make the playoff or something, then fine. But if not, anything short of that, a lot of fans feel like they should still move on and go in a different direction when you get the new athletic director. So it's sort of a mixed bag. But when you beat Stanford, that's pretty much like their you know, top three opponent for USC. You have Notre Dame and UCLA. Stanford's kind of right up there, and they've had a you know Stanford's had a winning record against USC the past decade. David Shaw's had a lot of success. Jim Harbaugh, you know, did too like, ten years ago when they had the "What is your deal" game with yeah. Carroll and stuff. So there's definitely been a, a rivalry. That, that both teams have been good the last decade. So getting a, a 25 point win over a rival like that, you still have to feel good. But there's some fans that just can't let it go. They just they they don't want anything to get in the way of uh, getting rid of Clay Helton. So I. I feel bad. Like if you're going to, you know, you like a team, you should enjoy when you blow out a rival like that. What's the um, perception from the fan base of BYU just as a program? Yeah. I mean, I think they see, we've tried to, you know, I think sometimes it can be overlooked and we try to talk them up through the off season. Like, did you know they went on the road and won at Camp Randall last year in the top five team? And like, really? Like, yes. (laughs) You know, and, and uh, did you know that uh, Zach Wilson didn't miss a pass in this bowl game? And so I think we tried to like explain some of the situations because there's so many other games with Utah and Washington and Notre Dame and all and Stanford all around it. I think sometimes some of the fans would overlook uh, the BYU game. And I, I think there's the potential for it to be a trap game because you might have players doing the same sort of thing, but you, you know, it's going to be a tough squad. They have a battle. It's a battle tested group. They had to play Utah and on the road at Knoxville, and then you got Washington coming up next. I mean, you know that this is a team that has, is ready to play any opponent, so you can't go into a game like this and uh, 
and underestimate and you know, underestimate anyone. And it'll be the first road game. You got a true freshman quarterback, so I, I think you know your undivided attention if you're a USC fan or a player or whatever should be on this game. But I, you know, looking ahead, Utah's probably the most important game on their schedule. Will some players or fans be looking ahead to that? Possibly, but I think if they do that, that's going to be their own demise. Like you have to take this game as seriously as any other one because obviously we know BYU can be can come up and beat anybody. Yeah, I was going to ask you if there's any potential for a look ahead, but you, I think you explained it right there. So we'll, we'll move along here. You, you mentioned Lynn Swan, his quote-unquote resignation. Was that surprising in terms of the timing it coming at, right after this win over Stanford, or did it kind of line up with what you might have expected? Yeah, we were told it was going to happen, like, you know, within the first month or so of the season. I just, you know, careful came in, the president, on July 1st. So it was going to take some time to get things ready. It, it pretty much was going to line up that, it wasn't going to happen before football season, so it was going to happen early on. But I, my thought is they wanted to have someone in place uh, in time if there was a need to make a change uh, at the head coaching position. And Lynn Swan, you know, is the third U.S. the third former USC football player that's been hired as an athletic director, no experience whatsoever. Uh, had two FBI investigations under his watch. <laughs> uh, you know, multiple arrests. Uh, was it would skip like athletic director duties to go sign autographs and stuff. It's, it just seemed like a part-time gig for him. He would play golf all the time and it wasn't going to work out. So I, I feel like if Carol Fultz came in and didn't make this move right away, there was going to be serious issues. So I think that it was kind of a sigh of relief for the fan base. They knew, I mean, let's want the legend, but he was not a good athletic director. So it, it, you need to cut bait and move on and hire someone who's actually been an athletic director before some USC hasn't done since I think 1984. So they have to go. Wow. Yeah. It's been a while. So they have to kind of do that. Yeah. They've, there's like this nepotistic view. I mean, it's crazy what USC thinks is good hiring, just keeping things in house. And hopefully Carol Fult will come in and, and see those, the error of those ways and kind of change the way they do things going forward. Last thing for me, Ryan, is there anything that BYU fans should be aware of team wise or just program wise about USC coming into this game? I think watch uh, the I think watch the USC secondary because they are younger, they're they're unproven, and they haven't really faced a very accurate uh, passer yet. If they would have played KJ Costello last week, it might have been a different story. Uh, but there are some open guys being missed by Davis Mills from Stanford and Jorge Reina from from Fresno State. Now Reina ran the ball really well against USC and on the perimeter. So I mean, watch for uh, you know for Doc Wilson to be able to do some of that. I know he's not probably running as much. Uh, he's got banged up a little bit, but there's there's potential for yards there. But I think Wilson's a more accurate passer, and he's not going to miss open guys. Um, and I, I feel like there could be a you know mismatch there where the USC secondary might be feeling pretty good, but they haven't really played that kind of uh, quarterback yet. And then I'd also watch in the offensive line for USC. They've played better um, than what we've seen the last couple of years, and they might try to run the ball a little bit more, just see what, you know, the, the BYU front and the USC offensive line are able to do. It's going to be on the road. It'll be a little bit different feel. They haven't had a lot of the pre-snap penalties that were plaguing them last year, but maybe with the crowd noise, they get a little bit of that going and they're, they're committing more penalties. So I think just with the road factor, we could, you know, factor into all that. But I'd watch some of the USC secondary and then the offensive line matchups and see how they pair out. Because they played better than we you know, thought they were going to, but those were at home and on the road, it might be a different story. Well, Ryan, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Excited to see this game play out. And, of course, we'll catch up with you down the road, hopefully, okay? Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on.
There you go. Ryan Abraham can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us right here on the podcast. A blast to catch up with him and can't thank him once again for the time to join Locked On Cougars. Some interesting news and notes there. And he thinks that BYU is an opportunity to catch USC's young secondary unawares, he feels like, with an accurate quarterback in Zach Wilson. We'll see if that proves out. Zach, 40 of 62 on the season to this point. A good number, but I think he'd like to be a tick higher. We'll see what he does against USC tomorrow. Should be a fantastic game. Now, you're probably wondering, what is my take on this game? I'm actually going to pick USC to win it. I know that you guys are probably disappointed in that, but I'm going to take USC to win it by three. I'm thinking USC 27, BYU 24, that type of a game. Not necessarily the highest scoring game, but I think there'll be plenty of points and plenty of uh, good showings on offense for both teams. But I do think the Trojans win this one, move to 3-0, and and BYU falls to 1-2. and Hoping the Cougars shock us all and go out and win the game, but we will see what happens. Thanks again for joining us. Pardon my voice. It's been a rough week for me in terms of having this cold and trying to get over it, but thank you guys for bearing with me. It's been a blast. Uh, BYU Women's Soccer, of course, won last night over Texas A&M, 2-0. They're 5-0 and on the season. Should move inside the top 10 this week in my mind after being the 12th-ranked team, being the 10th-ranked team, but we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, BYU Women's Volleyball also winning their first match on the road in Wichita. We'll have a full re- weekend recap for you on Monday's edition of the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Today's show brought to you by our title sponsor, Deseret First Credit Union, as well as brought to you by Vivid Seats and our good friends at All Guard Pest Control. Check out all three of those companies if you are interested in, in any of their services. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Catch. We're signing off for today. Probably be back tomorrow after the game. Some of my thoughts on the game and then Monday we'll have a full edition of the show as I rewatch the film etc and get you my thoughts on what happens against USC until then have a great day this has been Locked On Cougars for September 13th 2019